Since 1937, JO has provided engineering consulting services unmatched in skill, creativity, and cost efficiency. From their modest beginnings, JO has grown into a highly skilled and respected consulting firm serving communities throughout the Midwest. JO's team of professional engineers, architects, planners, and surveyors all work in concert with skilled technicians and support personnel to exceed their clients' expectations. At JO, they're engineering a world where everyone thrives. You're listening to the Booked on Planning Podcast, a project of the Nebraska chapter of the American Planning Association. In each episode, we dive into how cities function by talking with authors on housing, transportation, and everything in between. Join us as we get booked on planning. Welcome back, bookworms, to another episode of Booked on Planning. Earlier this month, we talked with author M. Nolan Gray on his 2022 book, Arbitrary Lines, which makes the bold statement that we should do away with zoning regulations. Many states and communities are taking small steps towards that end with removal of single-family zoning, doing away with parking regulations, and other rollbacks to zoning codes. The conversation in the field has really been dominated, in my opinion, by the support for this idea, because as Nolan points out, our zoning ordinance, which only seems to be getting more and more complex, has created segregation, the housing crisis, sprawl, and many other negative side effects. The article that we're going to discuss today is in defense of local zoning and takes the opposite approach, defending our 100-year-old tradition of land regulation. Retired professor Harvey Jacobs wrote the essay to, quote unquote, put the current proposals into a broader historical context of proposed zoning reform over the decades, wondering whether current reformers like past ones may be expecting too much from proposed changes. I think it's important to point out that the conversations about zoning reform really are not new. The onset of zoning came in 1923, and it was almost immediately challenged in the courts. And the first calls for zoning, for true zoning reform came just over 50 years after zoning was established. Each time there's a major shift in land use policy, we see a call for zoning reform, be it the quiet revolution, when people began actually questioning who controlled local land use procedures in the 1970s, or the push for regional planning in the 1990s. And a lot of these earlier attempts to change zoning have come about in a small way. While none of the new types of zoning have replaced our dominant Euclidean zoning approach, we now have many communities using performance zoning, floating zones, incentive-based zoning, and more recently gaining popularity, the form-based zone or new urbanist zoning. But codes like a form-based code are still regulating heavily how you develop a property, just taking the regulation of uses out of it. I wish we had thought to ask Nolan his opinion on how form-based codes have impacted our communities and whether they're a better approach than Euclidean or whether they should also go by the wayside. I actually think it would be nearly impossible to remove any regulations over land use control whatsoever. As Nolan very deftly points out in our interview, even if zoning was abolished, there would still be a multitude of regulations working against land use development, including environmental and safety and you know even the private covenants that we discussed. It seems to me that form-based codes might fit more in that kind of category as opposed to strict Euclidean zoning. And form-based codes have the opportunity to provide the flexibility that so many zoning codes currently are lacking for cohesive, well-thought-out development. 
And the author of this article admits that, yes, there are zoning ordinances out there that go too far and regulate too much, like restricting ADUs, our code, for example. But he argues that the solution isn't to throw the whole thing out. He doesn't believe that zoning is wholly to blame for the housing crisis and other negative impacts that zoning has been blamed for. He instead thinks that his reoccurring argument to rid ourselves of zoning is instead an issue of local government functions and the politics of how local zoning is used by a local elite. I really do understand his point. And the point that the debate about zoning is so often a mask for the argument about local control. Professor Jacobs rightly points out that all local ability to regulate anything really does flow from the state's granting authorities. And so local control is a fundamentally American way of thinking about land use control. It's basically written in the U.S. in all state constitutions. And those who support local control make the argument that local control is vital because land and land uses are largely place-based and those that are closest to the land have the best incentives to manage the land well. The complaints are most often lobbied against local control are that really provides for abuse of power and cronyism that seeks self-interest over everything else instead of actually managing the land. And this leads to the politics of zoning argument, which is the author's unintended consequence of doing away with zoning. There are those that know the neighborhoods well and use zoning to protect the quality and character, while others realize that locals have their own interests and not the broader public interest at heart. So we should leave it to states to enact legislation that prohibits self-serving rules like single-family zoning. Jennifer, you raised some concerns related to this in our conversation with Nolan. If we were to get rid of zoning and leave it to locals to manage neighborhood restrictions through covenants, that very easily could lead to these enclaves of wealthy residents protecting their own neighborhoods, leaving everyone else out. It really is a a very real possibility. And as I did point out in the conversation, it takes a fair amount of wealth and sophistication to engage with private land use controls. But both Nolan and Professor Jacobs actually together make the point that sophisticated parties are already really doing the same thing within zoning regulations. Well-organized groups wield the zoning code for personal gain all of the time, and successful developers have the means to pay lawyers to lobby for regulation changes. As you said, you know, a little change of the code here and a little change of the code there. Drafting zoning provisions to meet their exact needs without concern for the greater good anyway. So the way forward argued in this paper is not to abolish zoning or, as he says, throw the baby out with the bathwater, but to maintain the enthusiasm that local communities have for zoning and mold our ordinances into a system that is socially responsible. The system of zoning is a longstanding one with the backing of the U.S. Supreme Court and is easy to develop and enforce because it's widespread use. Instead, we should use these strengths and implement reforms that address the main issues of zoning, like permitting ADUs, reducing minimum lot size requirements, and addressing parking requirements. These are all concepts we talked with Nolan about for communities that aren't likely to get rid of zoning anytime soon, but are taking actions that can help address some of these major issues. The problem with this approach, however, is even these smaller changes can be a major battle in communities that, like the article's author mentions, are very familiar with and have entrenched values for property owners. That's why I think there should be more state mandates on how to address these matters. Sometimes to achieve meaningful reforms, it's not enough for the zoning professional to educate citizens and policymakers, which is one of the points that the author makes. 
In general, you will never really hear me arguing against local control. Lincoln and Omaha, for instance, are two very different cities. And I think that each community should be able to regulate their land use as it is fitting for each community. But there is no doubt that the many facets of zoning and land use control policies need to be changed at every level. You're right that it will be very challenging for any sustained change to start at the local level. What is most important is that the conversations are finally happening. And I, for one, am glad that we are part of elevating the conversation. So make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn for more information and articles on the topics that we cover, including this one. We hope you enjoyed this article episode on APA's May 2023 zoning memo in defense of local zoning. If you want to download a copy, head to planning.org and search the article title. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and share the show. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on Booked on Planning.